You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. So glad you're all here this morning. I felt like we had to kind of work through something there during worship, you know, kind of work through the tiredness of the morning. I'm not sure what it was, but how many, are you, how many, how many of you are glad that we can worship, you know, even when we don't feel like it, just simply because he's worthy of it? Um, that, that's true worship, and I praise God for those moments when I feel like it, which that happens, um, but there are other times where I, I don't feel like it. I'm tired or I'm distracted or whatever, but he's still worthy. It D- doesn't matter how I feel about it. Um, so thank you for pushing through. There's always something on the other side, and we push through and just encounter our hearts being released in worship on a daily basis. Um, so good to have you here this morning. When I walked in this morning, someone thought I took a, uh, a cue from Mr. Rogers this morning. I was like, you know, he was a mentor in my life growing up, so I guess you become, you know, who you follow, and uh, big, yeah, big love, may he rest in peace. So um, Exodus 14, if you have your Bibles, I'm, I'm going to own the cardigan, okay? I'm going to own it, Okay? Bringing it back. This morning, I just want to combat fear over your life. I want us to lift the veil on the enemy's tactics to bring us down, to oppress us, to intimidate us. Those are the ways of the enemy, and we're going to reveal that this morning through Scripture, calling him out. Because as I look across this room this morning, I know God is positioning you as individuals, us as a church, to step into the impossible, to step into the miraculous, to step, step into your supernatural um, callings that God has put upon your life. But there's a pattern in Scripture that anytime we take one step towards the miraculous, towards depending on God more, trusting God more, there's always opposition, there's always attack waiting for us. And so this morning, I'm not, I'm not calling us to be paranoid. I'm calling us to be vigilant, alert, to be wide awake, to be watchful um, regarding the enemy, the enemy of your soul. I want to lift the veil. I want to re- release you from fear that maybe binds you, that maybe is holding you back, maybe some ways in which the enemy is intimidating you. Fear is normal. Um, but, but you don't need to be subject to, you don't need to be a slave to it anymore. You know, growing up, I had a friend who, who was just more prone to fear than some of us. I mean, some of us are just more that way. We're kind of more on edge, like looking over our shoulder. All the time. I had a friend like that growing up. He was in college. He was a roommate of mine for a little while. And one night we were actually roommates and, and uh, we were just heading to bed and uh, in separate beds. And, and we were laying there in bed and in the dark. And all of a sudden he felt like he saw a reflection in this, this vent that we had in our kind of loft apartment. He thought he saw a reflection. And so he was like, there's something in the room. Drew, there's some, some, something or somebody in the room. So we, we, that led us to then turn on all the lights on the entire, in the entire apartment and search the entire apartment for this, uh, you know, this, this man, this boogeyman or whatever, whatever it was. We didn't find anything, okay? Uh, actually, just like within like six months from then, we, uh, we were house-sitting for this widow in our church, and she had this big old house, and it was kind of a creepy house, and I was sleeping in the living room. My, my friend, he was sleeping in the back bedroom next to the living room, and it had been dark maybe for five or ten minutes, but there in the dark, I heard a shout, top of his lungs, 
Good night in Jesus' name. That's what he shouted. <laughs> Good night in Jesus' name. Honestly, I didn't think much about it. I just, I turned over, I laughed, and I went to sleep. The next morning, though, at breakfast, I asked him about it. I was like, man, what in the world is going on in your bedroom? Why, why did you shout that at the top of your lungs? He said, you know, last night I was laying there, in the corner, I saw this figure kind of doing this in the corner, kind of whatever, this big black figure. So he shouted, he rebuked it, and he went to sleep. <laughs> that was the way he was. He was just like paranoid, a little bit more fearful, and some of us are that way. Um, but the reality is, we, as the Lord calls us into the impossible, calls us into the miraculous, there is one waiting for us. It's, it's the enemy of your soul. It's the adversary, the accuser. And he wants to incite fear upon your life, to hold you back and, and allow you to, to cower back into passivity and playing it safe. As we find ourselves here in the Exodus story, Exodus chapter 14, we've been working our way through this story. The people have taken huge steps in trusting God. God has shown himself to be their deliverer, their savior already, you know, through the 10 plagues, very miraculously, powerfully. Now they're on the run. They've trusted God even when he calls an audible. Last week we talked about that, how he called them to turn back and encamp at a dead end in front of the sea. Sounds like a great strategy when you're getting away from your oppressor and from your enemy. Encamp in front of the sea. They're trusting God all the way, but now this is the moment like, where it's starting to get psychological. This is the point where it's, it's like fear is becoming real. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that this morning. Because so I want to set you free. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You need to tell, tell yourself that. And if you're not experiencing situations that, that, that fear becomes a reality, maybe you're not stretching yourself, maybe you're not taking the risk, maybe you're not trusting the Lord like he's calling you to. God's calling you to step out, to depend on him as a child of God, not to depend upon yourself, depend on him. And then waiting for you on the other side will be opposition and attack. I'm gonna equip you this morning to step through that, to push through, to call out the enemy, to see the salvation of the Lord time and time again. He's not just your deliverer once, he's your deliverer time and time again. Let's look at this, Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 5. Let's kind of work our way through this passage. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done and, what, and that we have let Israel go from serving us? Ah, our free labor, 1.2 million people. We let them go. How are we going to finish all these projects? Let's go chase them down. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. And the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pihahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. The enemy was on his tail, was, was on Israel's tail now. They were being attacked. But this situation, this scenario of Israel, the people of God, having an oppressor on their tail, this is not a new scenario, nor is this the last time this is going to happen. I want to tell you this morning that in the kingdom of God, there are no surprise attacks. God has given us a picture of his redemptive plan in, in this age in which we live in, in the, the age of the church, in the age of the Holy Spirit. There is a cosmic battle over your soul. And we need to wake up to it. There is a, a spiritual battle, cosmic battle over your soul going on right now. 
And we can't be ignorant to it. We can't be naive to it. The reality is, as the, the children of God, they, they see God's delivering power over the Egyptians here, they'll just graduate to uh, another potential oppressor in the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Jebusites, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. There's always a potential oppressor on the other side, pushing through on the other side of impossibility. So in the kingdom of God, there are no surprise attacks or opposition. If we're not experiencing any attacks or any opposition, we should question our positioning. Are we actually in a place where we're depending on God? Are we actually in a place where we're trusting God for anything? So it's not whether or not there's going to be attacks, whether or not there's going to be opposition. Jesus said that in this world, you will have tribulation. That's not a promise that we and we have hanging on our bathroom mirror all that often, but it's a promise of Jesus that we will walk into tribulation. We will walk into trials. But he says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. We have this one, this one who's gone before us, and he overcame the world in every way. He overcame sin. He overcame religion. He overcame persecution. He overcame mocking. And ultimately, he overcame death itself. So when he says, that he has overcome the world like he really means it. You can put everything that you're fearful of, everything that you think that, that, that can come against you, and Jesus overcame it all. And he calls us to be overcomers. First John chapter five says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Obedience, that's God's will for your life, is obedience, depending on him, trusting that he's a good father, that he can be trusted to know what's best for your life. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So that is the new way of life for, for a child of God, to now begin to live by faith and not by feelings or by sight. To live by faith. And it's in that realm of faith that we see God for who he truly is. Oh, he's a good father that can be trusted. He knows what's best. When he calls me to turn back and to encamp in front of the Red Sea, he really knows what's best. He can be trusted. That's the realm of faith, and it's in that place that we overcome the world. That's good news. Tell your neighbor that's good news. Come on, you guys got to wake up. <laughs> so I'm not saying this morning that, that all opposition you face is spiritual attack, okay? I'm not saying there's a demon behind every, every corner and... Um, Everything is spiritual. There, there is, and I feel like oftentimes in the West, we are oblivious to the spiritual realities, the spiritual dynamics. But I would say we see it in our lives, and we see it in the, the life of, of the Israelites. There are kind of two main categories of, of, of opposition. One is spiritual attack or attacks from, from the enemy. A second is natural hardships. Ever since the curse, ever since the, the, the decision of sin in the garden and then the ensuing curse, there's been a ripple effect of natural hardship that we are born into. And the, the Israelites, they experience both of that. Some of it is oppressors trying to enslave them. Physical enemies are trying to attack them. But in other, other times, it's them walking into the wilderness. The wilderness is inherently barren and void of anything life-giving and sustaining. So it's in that place that they have to trust the Lord in the midst of their natural hardships being a people of the wilderness. So please, let's wake up. Let's not be caught off guard by opposition, by attack. You have one who hates you. His name is the enemy. His name is the devil, Satan. Jesus describes him as a thief 
that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Peter describes him like a prowling lion looking to devour. Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. He's real. He wants to mess with your life. He wants to intimidate you. And that's the case, and that's the pattern for your life for the rest of your existence on this planet as we follow Jesus. There's good news here at the end of this message, but I'm just trying to wake us up to this reality. You have an enemy of your soul. Let's wake up to it. Let's be vigilant. Let's be alive. Let's be watchful. There are no surprise attacks in the kingdom of God. So I'll just, I'll, we'll just look cl- closer at that passage in First Peter chapter 5 that I was referring to, where Peter describes the enemy as, as, a, prowl, or as, a, as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Let's look at that full passage. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And he's talking to believers that have, that have been walking in the midst of persecution, physical persecution, which we don't experience much of. We experience rejection. Maybe someone makes fun of us or mocks us. But oftentimes we don't experience the persecution that they, they experience, that many believers experience throughout the world and that the believers here that Peter is writing to experience. He says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God is not heartless. He's not emotionless. He, he cares for you. He cares for these anxieties and the opposition that you walk through and the, the um, oppression that comes upon you. But be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, he prowl, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Some innocent bystander, some naive, ignorant child of God that's just kind of naive to his reality and to his uh, influence on the earth. Here's the, here's the strategy. Here's the response. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to get to God's delivering power here in the story as well. I've seen it time and time again, though. People make a decision to follow Jesus. They encounter his goodness. They, they encounter his grace. But then opposition comes. That means they've, they've taken one step towards trusting God more with their life, depending on God, you know, kind of uh, moving on from that place of depending solely on themselves and, and depending more on God. And waiting on the other side is some sort of opposition whether it be the rejection of their family from their parents or extended family, the misunderstanding of people, you know, they call you a fool. Oh, you're becoming, you know, a zealous, a religious zealous, a zealot of some sort or fanatic. Or, or whether it be, you know, then your parents get divorced. Or if you have kids, maybe your kids start acting out in school. Or you experience sickness in your body. All these things I see it time and time again as people take one step towards God and trusting him, there's opposition waiting on the other side. And then it's in that place where we begin to question. We question everything. What was I thinking? Was what I experienced real? Did that decision I made to follow Jesus, did it mean anything? Where am I? What am I doing? Was this worth it? Maybe it's worth it just to, or maybe it's better just if I went back to where I was. 
Let's continue the story here. These are the very things that the Israelites began to say. In verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we have said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. We just want to be peaceful slaves for these Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. We'll stop right there because I just want to unpack the, the, the ways of the enemy before we, we dive into Moses' response. That God is our deliverer. God is our savior. I want to just kind of lift the, the veil on all the enemy's tactics because they're, they're very, God lays them out for us. They're very predictable. The enemy is predictable. And you can call him out as such. He is so predictable. He's only got a few tricks, okay? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. You can think of any like abusive relationship. That's the enemy. He tries to get in your head. He tries to, he tries to turn you around and, and think maybe things are your fault. And then he tries to lure you back that somehow he can be trusted back into enslavement. He loves to intimidate he loves to, to make you question God's character. That was the tactic he used in the garden. Hey, did God really say that? I think maybe God's just trying to keep, keep you back from you stepping into you being more like God. He, we question, he makes us question God's leading or question obedience to God altogether. He loves to incite pride. He loves to divert our dependence from depending on God to reverting back to old slavery and depending upon ourselves. Those are the tactics of the enemy. And he doesn't move on from those. So here, the, the enemy is, is, is roaring his face at the Israelites. And, and for them, it's, it's almost looking like slavery. Their old way of slavery was very alluring. It's very enticing. Romans chapter 8, though, says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's the place you are destined for, you are called to live in on a daily basis, in that place of trusting your good father. I love that the, the Old Testament writers, they, they refer to the Israelites as the children of God, because we don't graduate from that place of being a child. You don't graduate from that place of being, you know, being able to cry out to your Abba Father, your Daddy Father. It's the place of complete trust. Jesus refers to the reality of these oppositions in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 13, he, he tells a, you know, a parable that maybe many of you have heard about the Gospel being like seed that's scattered on many different types of soil. There's two of the soils that I feel like we, we see that are similar to this. He says the, the seed that falls on rocky soil, it's like, it's like good news that's planted in our hearts, but then those individuals experience tribulation or persecution. And then immediately they fall back. They wither away. They, they cower back. They go back to the slavery in Egypt. They say, oh yeah, I was better. What was I doing? I, mean, I was a fool to try to trust God and step out. I was, a, I was a fool. You're right, abuser, oppressor. I'm better under your care. I can't take care of myself. And, and the enemy gets in your head. The opposition, the persecution, the tribulations, they get in your head. They allure you, they allure you away from truth. 
Another type of soil was the, 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 the seeds that fall amongst the thorny, thorny ground. He says, those are, the, those are the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, they choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. Some, they step out to trust in God. And it's like the safety of the world systems, the safety of trusting in ourselves and depending on ourselves, that slavery, that doesn't maybe sound like slavery, but when we're trusting in ourselves, we're enslaved to something. Some return to slavery because of the fear of the unknown. And this fear of the unknown drives them towards what's comfortable rather than trusting God completely. I would say many times we like the road of ease. But as followers of Jesus, I think we should get leery when our lives are too easy. I'm not saying we go out seeking for hardship and difficulty and opposition, but there may be, we need to maybe do a heart check. And if things aren't, if there's not some sort of resistance, maybe we're not actually taking any new ground for the kingdom of God. Maybe we're not really trusting God fully with our entire lives. These are the ways of the enemy. He's, a, he's an intimidator, he's a liar, he's a manipulator, he's a deceiver. And I've seen this in my own life time and time again. The enemy gets in my head, still to this day. I feel like I see one breakthrough in one moment, and right around the corner then there's the enemy waiting to incite some sort of question in my mind, some sort of doubt, some moment of unbelief, to all of a sudden reveal all the things that maybe God hasn't done yet. And those are the ways of the enemy. We need to begin to call them out. We need to begin to stir up this courage in our hearts to call the enemy out. So let's read, let's read the good news here. Verse 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today he prophesies this, you shall never see them again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. That's your place of, of safety. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> be silent. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Had they not seen the salvation of the Lord just days prior, as God delivered them out of Egypt through the ten plagues, he was their deliverer once, and he will be their deliverer again. And that's the pattern, that's the lifestyle of a child of God. We see his delivering power time and time again. So many people, they experience this, the saving power of Jesus. They think now, oh, now it's cruise control. They're just kind of throw it, throw it into cruise control and, and I'm, and I'm going to coast my way to the finish line. But no, it's from glory to glory. God wants to demonstrate his delivering, saving power in your life over and over and over again. He wants you to be one who moves forward and takes new ground for the kingdom of God. So if there's one thing I want you to have resonating in your heart this morning, it's that you know that you know that you know that God is a God that delivers again. He is your deliverer. There's nothing unique about your current scenario that's too big for God that has him dumbfounded, that has him caught off guard. It kind of reminds me, kind of that, that idea, reminds me of what my dad often told me growing up. Because I, I oftentimes got in my head about things and was fearful and 
insecure and question myself, and I'd go to my dad about some decision, my dad would inevitably say these words. He'd say, Drew, what's the worst that can happen? It's like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't know what's the worst that can happen. I guess I could die or something. But literally, you can lay out all the potential scenarios, the worst being you die. Which, that's bad. Nobody, yeah, I don't want that for anybody's life. But look at this passage in Philippians. This is literally, Paul is in a prison cell. He's sacrificing his life for the gospel. So he says, Philippians chapter one, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Christ Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. You know, Paul is one who experienced, he experienced the miraculous delivering power of Jesus. You know, God stopped him in his tracks. He, he was a murderer of Christians, and he encountered Jesus for who he was. And he, so he experienced the miraculous delivering power of Jesus. That wasn't, wasn't the only time he was going to experience his miraculous delivering power. He saw it time and time again in his life. He's got freedom from persecutors, freedom from jail cells, freedom from uh, the masses, the riots. Healed his body over and over and over again. It says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with the full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) I can live and see God's delivering power here. I can die and I see God's delivering power over death. What is the worst that can happen? And I'm not saying, you know, there's not, uh, that, that dying is not, is not bad and you leave behind all the people. But I'm, I'm saying in light of the kingdom of God, what is the worst that can happen? God wants us to be in a place of complete trust. That he's a good father that can be trusted with our lives. Let's look at this picture in, a, in Revelations chapter 12. This is a, a picture of the, the beautiful church of Jesus Christ, his bride, being the overcomers that Jesus called us to be. He says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and our authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. That's the enemy. That's the devil, Satan and and his army. They've been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. The accuser encountered these ones so dependent on God. They were willing to lay down their life, their life to be a testimony with, with courage, with boldness before their accuser unto life or death. And that path of boldness and courage came through this testimony of the blood of the lamb and the, and the, the spoken word of our testimony. He refers to the blood of the lamb. If you remember God's delivering, um, God's ways of delivering the Egyptians out of the, uh, sorry, the Israelites out of Egypt, the 10th plague was God's, uh, the 10th plague was the the slaughtering of the firstborn uh, of all the land of Egypt. But God's ways of delivering the Israelites was for them to, to slay a perfect lamb and to, upon the doorpost, place the blood upon the, on the, upon the doorpost. And it became a foreshadowing of the perfect lamb who would come, Jesus Christ, the one who we just remembered during communion. His way of the cross. 
It became this beautiful foreshadowing. You know, and the, the Israelites from that day forward, they always went back and they remembered the Passover lamb. God's way of delivering them. Hundreds or centuries ago, thousands of years ago. This perfect lamb that would provide a way out, that would provide a protection from this, from this death angel. And every time they would remember God's delivering power then, and they'd sit and they'd celebrate that, and they'd speak out about God's testimony. They were reminding their souls that God did it once, and he'll do it again. That's, that's the way he works. He is our deliverer. He's our protector. And remember that one time we trusted him. We did something you know, that's not logical. We slayed a lamb, we, we smeared the blood upon a doorpost, and somehow that was, to, that was supposed to protect us. It's the innocence of a child, trusting God in that place of protection. He, we, he did it once, he'll do it again. He's our deliverer, he's our savior. That's the power, the blood of the lamb, and the word of our testimony. It brings us back to that moment when you encountered the savior for yourself. When did you encounter Jesus? What did he save you from? What's, what's your story? What's the past that he brought you out of? What's the family that he brought you out of? What are the addictions that he set you free from? Who was the oppressor that he, that he set you free from? What anxieties has he delivered you from through the work of his cross? And we, we testify about those things and it gives us the courage, it gives us the boldness to stand before our accuser and know that God's gonna do it again. He's going to deliver us again. This one's not a doozy. This one's not too big for him. This one's not too much. Every scenario is different in the particulars. But the overarching theme is that God is our deliverer. So we oftentimes get bogged down with the specifics, the particulars, and that's what causes all the anxiety. That's what causes the fear. And we begin to spiral out of control in our minds. The particulars are unique, but the overarching theme is the same time and time again. And actually, it's, it's fascinating. If you fast forward in the, in the Exodus story, it's just a continuation of this story of peop, the people of God learning to trust their father, their good father, as the savior, as deliverer of, of their, of their uh, nation. As you fast forward to the, the story of now Joshua's in leadership, Joshua chapter three, they're coming to this point where they're actually gonna cross into the promised land. I mean, the anticipation of the generations and this is what God tells Joshua. And he says, do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go for you have not passed this way before. They're coming up to the, the Jordan River. And they're like, oh yeah, we've done this before. We did this at the Red Sea, right? And you, you just parted the Red Sea. And they're like, hey, you haven't come this way before. You may, you may think you know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You've not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among us. The way of God's delivering power is in that place of continual trust, continual dependence. That he will show himself strong in our lives as deliverer. You see, we try to live out of memory. We think that somehow God has created in our past some sort of formula. And that's where traditions usually suck the life out of following Jesus. Traditions should serve to foster testimony, should foster faith in what God has done in, his, you know, in terms of his character and his nature and his his ways of redeeming humanity, but they don't set for us any sort of formula. And that's maybe a trap that sometimes we fall into where we try to live out of memory. Instead, testimony should stoke a confidence in his character, 
the demonstration of his, power, of, of his character. He's always your savior. He's always your deliverer. He's always faithful. He can always be trusted. He's always your healer. He, he, can, he will always fight for you. I'm gonna invite the worship team forward. We'll sing that song, Awake My Soul. But, but as Jesus calls, as King Jesus stands before you and calls you to follow him, he's calling you to step out into unknown places, into seemingly scary places. There's a mystery in following Jesus that you just have to embrace as a child of God. We never graduate from that. doesn't matter how long you've been walking with him or how many degrees you have or what your religious pedigree is. We don't graduate from that place of mystery, of, of the mystery of trusting God with our lives. He wants us to live in this place where the banner over our life is only God. The only explanation over our lives would be it's only God. It's the grace of God, very simply. God is the only explanation for our lives. As I've thought through you know, my own life, time and time again, I've seen at every chapter God demonstrate himself to me as, as my deliverer. At the youngest of years, I talked about this last week, you know, it's the inhibitions of my own personality. Can God deliver me from that? Oh, yes, he can. And I, and I saw him deliver me from that, like obliterate the box that I'd put myself in. You know, as, as, I, as I moved on, I saw all these inhibitions come into my mind regarding my origin story. I come from a messed up family, generations of addictions, generations of depression, generations of brokenness and divorce, fighting in the home. And, and those, all those inhibitions come racing through my mind until I see God be my deliverer again. And see, no, God wants to actually redeem that. God wants to allow that, that origin story to bring hope to individuals. That, that maybe that, that's their story. As I, as I moved on and graduated from college, I felt such a calling upon my life. Like, God, whatever you want to do, I don't know what it looks like. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Me and, my, me and my wife, we ended up moving out to Seattle, Washington, and out there in the big city, I had these thoughts. You're a nobody. You are from North Dakota. Do you know how many people live in North Dakota? It's like the entire metropolitan Des Moines area spread across a huge landmass, bigger than Iowa. I mean, that's how many people... If you, have, if you know somebody in North Dakota, come talk to me because I probably know him. It's probably my cousin or something. And you're like, it's like Jesus being from Nazareth. Like what good comes from North Dakota? What good comes from Nazareth? And that comes through my mind. As I step out to trust God, right, waiting on the other side is all this opposition, all this attack, all this doubt, all this unbelief. And time and time again, you know, me and my wife, we moved to Iowa. We didn't know a soul in Iowa, literally. I did not know a single person in Iowa. We moved here to help start the campus ministry at Iowa State. After two very short years, the pastor that hired me, he left. And I was like, God, we just moved here to come and start this work. What is going on? On the other side of the impossible, there was attack, there was opposition. And I, I could go on and on and on with dozens of other examples. But every time I take a step forward to trust God, waiting on the other side is opposition and attack. But what I've found to be true 
as I maintain and retain that, that posture of trusting him, of pressing in, depending on him, this boldness, this courage rises up in my heart to face my accuser, to rebuke him. Good night in Jesus' name. And see on the other side, God demonstrate himself to me as my deliverer. If you'd all stand in this place, I want us to respond and sing this, this anthem to the Lord. The bridge is, I believe, of this, of this song is just so powerful, so emboldening. It should stir up some courage in your heart to sing in faith to your deliverer, to your savior. If you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes, I believe there are individuals here this morning that are, God is calling to step out. He's calling you to trust him in greater ways. Maybe some of you already have started to step out and trust him and depend on him in big ways and and you need to experience the goodness of Jesus to to demonstrate himself as deliverer. You need just fresh faith. You need fresh courage. Some of you maybe are already experiencing the opposition. Maybe some of you aren't experiencing the opposition, but God's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to depend on him. Step out and take a risk. I want you to respond to Jesus right now. I believe you know what God's calling you to do. Some of you, he's calling you to trust, trust him with your finances. That's become a stronghold over your life. It's enslaved you. Some of you are in an unhealthy relationship and God's calling you to step out and trust him. You're afraid of being alone. You're afraid of being isolated. Some of you, God's calling you to trust him with a... With a relationship with your kids and on and on and on I know, I know you right now you know what God's calling you to do I want you to place that in his hands make a commitment to him that you're going to trust him that he can be trusted he's your deliverer hallelujah Jesus all across this room Lord this morning Distractions aside, God, we recognize that you are our deliverer, you're our savior. You're pricking people's hearts right now. You're allowing their minds to come upon things that you know you're calling them to, to trust you with. Good Father, allow your presence to be experienced right now, your peace to be experienced right now in people's lives. Whatever it is, they can trust you. The enemy is a liar. The the accuser, he's a manipulator. He has no power over you. In Christ, God is calling you to be an overcomer. I speak that over you right now in the name of Jesus. Individuals all across this place experience the grace of God to be an overcomer, to begin to step out and take risks. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.